So, uh, last announcement that's going to tie into the start of this message. Uh, we're in part seven of eight in this unqualified series, a study of discipleship out of the Gospels. Today's message is titled Jesus and Associates. If you want to flip your Bibles open to Matthew 28, we will spend some time there today. But as we get going in that, part of discipleship is learning to be people who hear and respond to the voice of God, that we learn to move at his pace, we learn to go at his rhythm, and part of that, the way that we learn to move at God's pace and his rhythm is through prayer. Uh, tomorrow evening at 6 p.m. at Marley and Clark Huber's home, which is just a muckleteal with this beautiful view, Everett, is it Everett? Okay, Everett. It is Everett. Okay, in Everett, not far from Muckleteal, uh, but in <laughs> that kind of that that way, that way, uh, we're going to be praying tomorrow night at 6 p.m. We're going to take some time to pray and to worship. The, the whole church is invited. It will be very casual, but it's going to be a chance for us to gather, um, to, to just lift up this congregation, to seek the Lord for what he's doing in us and through us. It's going to be a chance for us to seek the heart of God for Casino Road, specifically. God, what are you doing here? To pray in advance of the Vacation Bible School that will be happening just a week later. Uh, and then also just for the city of Everett as a whole, that we will seek the peace and prosperity of the city so that as it prospers, we also prosper. We keep the city out in front of us at all times. And so as a growing congregation of diverse followers of Jesus here, uh, the Lord, he's given us gifts, he's given us talents, he's given us ideas and passions, uh, he's giving us exciting things to do. Uh, however, uh, Jesus said in Matthew 6, within the context of not worrying, he says to seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and all these other things, all the consuming details of our lives, even the really good ones like, Lord, how are we going to do the VBS? And God, how's it going to work to send kids to camp this summer? And Lord, how's it going to work to remodel the space and see the community come to know the Lord? All those things will be added as we seek the Lord. So just as an invitation for you to consider coming and joining us tomorrow evening uh, at the Huber's home. And thank you for inviting us to come. Uh, when Jesus was entering into Jerusalem the week before he would go to the cross to die for our sins, it says as he approached the city, he saw the city and he wept over the city. And I have this this picture of Jesus just seeing seeing the city. And the beautiful thing about the Huber home is that it looks out over the city. That's that's so we're gonna we're gonna sit here and we're gonna we're gonna pray that way uh, towards the city uh, tomorrow night and so 6 p.m. there'll be some worship there'll be some time together you're welcome to come out amen, amen. all right very good so at a vantage point uh, this brings us to a point does anyone know what this building is here right in the middle of the, in the midst of the fog does anyone anyone know what Providence Hospital, right? Okay, so this is, I haven't talked about this yet. That on our South Everett Foursquare Church banner, that there's a picture of a hospital, right? So that, that in my mind, in my theology, in my understanding, um, that's on purpose. That a church might be associated with a hospital. It's a reminder to me, I liken the work of the local church to the work of a local hospital. I do so in the footsteps of Jesus as I follow him. He was the one who declared, while eating in the homes of sinners and tax collectors, recorded in Matthew chapter 9, he said, it isn't the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. 
So I've been thinking about that for years and years and years now, and I think about churches and hospitals, and I think about hospitals that are no hospital that's worth its reputation, that would get a five-star rating on Yelp, maybe, right? No hospital worth its reputation turns any person away. Hospitals invite everyone through the door regardless of their condition. Hospitals invite everybody in. At the same time, no hospital worth its reputation allows people to remain in the broken condition in which they arrived. Some hospitals do, maybe, but not the ones with great reputations. Hospitals with great reputations invite every person in, and they help them get better. And I'm thinking, isn't that the work of the church? To open healing pathways and experiences and restoration for people regardless of the condition in which we find them when they come through our doors. Only coming through our doors in the sense that we are gathered once a week on Sunday. But who's the Lord bringing through our doors as disciples of Jesus Christ every waking moment of the day? Maybe it's the solicitor that shows up on the front door, the mailman when you're leaving, or your coworker. That's people coming through the doors. Anyone that we acknowledge the presence and the existence of in front of us is someone who is walking through our doors for a minute. A neighbor is defined as someone that you spend a defined amount of space and a defined amount of time with. Think about how that changes our definition of neighbor. Anyone that we spend a specific amount of time with, a specific amount of space with, is our neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. Welcome people who are broken in all conditions into the spirit-filled life that we have because there is healing power in us through the presence of the Holy Spirit. So we, right, are the temple of the Holy Spirit, which makes us not only shalom delivery systems to the city, but it makes us little hospitals, doesn't it? In Matthew chapter 9, when Jesus said in the presence of sinners and tax collectors, when he said, it's not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. There's something in that, something about hospitals. It's exactly why uh, in this season of our life, when we're thinking about the church, and this is a, a faith-based hospital, even. There's a cross on this one, right? So all the Mars, and not all hospitals are faith-based. Providence is. But that, that's one of the most recognizable buildings in the city of Everett. It used to be smaller, to be smaller but it's getting bigger, right? Right? Like the church? Just growing all the time? Yeah, right? So there it is. So there we are that we would act in the same way, in the same measure that a hospital might, that people would come through our doors and hopefully in the presence of what happens with us, we'll get healthy, right? So Jesus' challenge to the local church, especially as its people endeavor to do this following after God, to stop just believing but to follow, Jesus' challenges, especially to those who will do this following after him, following after this traveling physician, as of, as of a way that Jesus is this traveling physician, any who would follow out the doors, follow this traveling physician out the doors into the neighborhood, it's good for them, good for us to remember who it is that Jesus came to associate with. Secondly, what Jesus was calling those associates of his to do. And thirdly, 
what Jesus was qualifying them for. So let's think about this for a minute. Who did Jesus come to associate with? Matthew chapter 9 says that he came to associate with sinners and with tax collectors. It says that when Jesus wandered around, he saw a community full of people who were helpless and harassed and without a shepherd. And he had compassion on them. Anyone know anyone that's helpless and harassed in your community? That's who Jesus had compassion on. Those who were helpless, those who were harassed, these are the people who recognized, these sinners were the ones that recognized their common poverty. That they recognized that this was the great irony of the church in the first century. The, the, the Jews who followed Jesus faithfully, unfaithfully, faithfully, unfaithfully, faithfully, unfaithfully, found themselves in an unfaithful place when Jesus showed up on the scene because the people who knew God and had birthrights from God were the ones that couldn't come to grips with the fact that they were sinners too. It was lost on them. It's what frustrates people about the church today. It's like, would you people just just admit it? You're broken also, right? If we would just admit that we're broken, if Pete Rose would just admit that he gambled on baseball, like, come back in, bro. Come back in. We're just waiting, right? And so the world is waiting for, for believers to say, yeah, it's only by the grace of Jesus Christ. And the sinners got it. And that's why I believe that Jesus was hanging out with them. Because there were people that knew they needed him. You ever been in somebody's life, you're trying to help them, and they just don't want your help? That's a frustrating place to be, isn't it? So go to the people who, who want your services. And the sinners were like, right here. Right here. Dinner at my house tonight at 6 o'clock. Come on over, Jesus. Right? Jesus came to associate with people who recognized their common poverty. Blessed are the poor in spirit who realize that their greatest challenge in life is a spiritual one. Secondly, what was Jesus calling those who are his associates to? What was he calling them to? Well, one, salvation by grace through faith, not by works. And secondly, a renunciation of everything apart from Jesus. That's what he was saying. Come follow me and drop everything that doesn't have to do with me behind. If it's your education or your reputation, good for those who Jesus called because they didn't have either. They were unschooled ordinary men. They were people that were not qualified. According to to the, the scriptures and the, and the leaders in and the teachers of the day, these were the unqualified people, the uneducated ones, the ones with poor reputations. And Jesus said, come with me. Leave your education, whatever you have, your reputation, your employment. Leave your self-sufficiency behind. And then finally, what was he qualifying these people for? He was qualifying them for the same thing that he qualifies us for, which is the mass multiplication of new followers of Jesus. Mass multiplication not just one at a time but one who reaches 10 who reach 10 who reach 10 that's something i'm still trying to wrap my mind around actually as, a, as someone who's been in ministry for a while it took me a long time to figure out that i'm not just building good followers i'd say it's been only in the last four years or so that I, something went on in my head that said i'm not just creating followers i can create followers but i'm supposed to be creating disciples who make disciples. 
So it's a different interaction with people. It's not just do what I say. It's learn to hear the voice of the Lord for yourself and then teach somebody else, multiple people, to hear the voice of the Lord for themselves and let them know that they don't have to be dependent on you to see the kingdom come. As disciples who make disciples, it changes everything about the way we interact with people. It's releasing ministry. It's releasing decisions. Big ones and small ones. One of the most helpful people to me last week was Ashley Marietta. Ashley knows stuff about this neighborhood because she's an expert in this neighborhood. She knows what's going on. I said, Ashley, we're about to order $4,000 worth of Bibles. How many should we get in English and Spanish? And she goes, well, with the Action Bibles, get more in English because kids are wanting to speak English. High schoolers are wanting to speak English. Give decisions away to people who have the information. That's building disciples. As Ashley begins to do that with a group of kids, four, five, six years old, I don't know how they are. Ashley, when you're with the kids next week at VBS, let them make decisions. What do you think about that? What would you do about that? What did Jesus say to you? Not this is what God says. It's, it's, it's a shift. But it's how we go from creating followers to creating disciples. I think Jesus answered three questions outright in the Gospels. But more than 200 times he asked another question. He wanted his people thinking for themselves. The mass multiplication of new followers of Jesus. Ordinary men and women who would be endowed with extraordinary power to make more disciples. Jews and Gentiles. Both. All nations. So a good question if we're engaging the text well. And I was engaging Matthew 28 all week this week, and we'll share a little bit about that here in just a second. But how could these ordinary people with extraordinary power do such a thing, offer salvation to the nations? How could they do it? Who gave them that power? Who gave them that authority? That's a big deal to offer salvation to the nations. Well, it's simple. They were being deputized by the one who had the full authority of heaven in his back pocket. He was deputizing them. All power and authority has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all the things that I've commanded you. And and don't forget, I'm going to be with you. It's what he said. He deputized people. Jesus, this is how he did it with people. He said, "Don't, don't just listen to my advice. I was at this life coaching certification thing in California the last few days. And the whole premise behind life coaching isn't to tell people what to do. It's to listen to the Holy Spirit so we can ask the right questions so that whatever's in that person will come out of them when the right questions are asked. (laughs) And one of the guys in the training was a business executive culture's consultant consultants tell people what to do, right? And, and we're doing this training back and forth, and, and the, the lead trainer couldn't get this consultant to stop telling people what to do. No, you've got to ask more questions. Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot. You should, you should. And he said, stop it, ask more questions, right? And then, and then finally, at the end of the training, this consultant says, my family's going to be shocked. I'm going to get home. I'm going to stop telling people what to do all the time. And everyone's like, oh, right? You know, just like Jesus didn't always tell people what to do. He said, here's the power and here's how you use it. Go. Right. 
The challenge to the local church, especially as people who endeavor to follow this traveling physician out the door into the neighborhood, secondly, is to remember that although Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, dude's doing new stuff all the time. We've talked about that. He's the same, which means that his character doesn't change. We can trust him to be good, reliably good, but he's going to mix the chairs up on the on the, the deck of our cruise ship. He's going to do things. He's going to ask us to do stuff that's different than before because we've got to rely on him and not ourselves. This was not the first time that Jesus had sent disciples. This Matthew 28, this great commissioning, was not the first time that this had happened. So the disciples were, were used to being sent. And if we go back, if you open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 10, It's important to look at the Gospels in the context of the whole thing. So Jesus sent, commissioned his disciples in Matthew 28. But back in Matthew chapter 10, beginning in verse 2, it says, These are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. So things were different than they were before. Same God, new stuff. Do not go among the Gentiles. Interesting, right? Because this is for the Jews and the Gentiles, the grace of Jesus Christ. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Rather, go to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven is near, has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, and drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. He'd sent them out before. Different instructions. So they were, if, if we just believe that the same God does the same stuff all the time, we're going to miss it when he does new stuff. Same God, new stuff. So we can't ever get locked up in what worked before is going to work in the future. Every day we wake up and say, God, you might do something entirely different with me today. I know that you're reliably good and you will provide, but it might be a whole different game plan. What worked before with reaching people with Jesus might not work today. It might be a different conversation with a kid at the skate park. Not the same formula. Different conversation with a kid on the bus. Not the same formula. Different conversation at Evergreen Medical Clinic on 132nd. Different conversation. Different conversation in the coffee shop. Different conversation at the shipyard. At the Muckleteo School District. Everett School District. Different conversations. Same God. Right? He's doing new things. But he had sent the people previously to the Gentiles. Another conversation in Matthew 15. If we're paying attention to the way things had done before, this is just reinforced that, yeah, Jesus does things a certain way. But in reality, he's doing new things all the time. Matthew 15, beginning in verse 21. The faith of a Canaanite woman. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from the vicinity of a Canaanite. So this is another one of those people that would be outside of the box of who could have the grace of God upon their lives at that point. A Canaanite woman from the vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter 
is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word, so the disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. Send her away. You see, she's from Canaan, right? You remember remember them, our old enemy? Our grandpappy's, grandpappy's enemy when we entered the land thousands of years before the Canaanites. Remember them? Yes, yeah, send her away. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him and said, Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Woo! It's getting intense, this conversation. Do you think Jesus really meant it, or is he trying to drive home a point? Is he trying to maybe do a little foreshadowing of what is to come? To maybe expose the hearts of his disciples who actually wanted to send this Canaanite dog away. While he's reaching her, he's reaching them. Because they hadn't had it all figured out yet. While the, while the Lord is reaching Casino Road, he's reaching me. Because I haven't got it all figured out yet. That's what's interesting, I think, about this conversation. But the woman knew. She knew. Yes, it is, Lord. It, is, it isn't right to toss the children's bread to the dogs. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed in that moment. I don't know if the disciples picked up on what was shifting in that moment, but if we listen closely to our Savior, we'll hear it. The disciples were hearing it. If we listen closely, we'll hear the shifts. We'll put down the commonplace things. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world right now that's pretty nuts. And if I just pay attention to the old narrative, I'm going to miss what Jesus is doing today. Now, it doesn't mean that we just outright affirm everything that happens in the world, but we may have to take a look at the way that we engage with the world that we're pointing fingers at. Because maybe there's a backstory that's causing a behavior that we want to condemn. And instead of condemning the behavior, we condemn the person, and that's double condemnation on the person because they were condemned to begin with to get to the place to act like they were. Does that make sense? If we get so focused on somebody's poor behavior, we'll lose sight of the fact that they were condemned at some point and have not caught a hold of their identity in Christ yet. So for a minute, I might not have to affirm or accept or cheer a certain behavior. I don't have to do that, but I might have to overlook that thing for a minute to get to the heart of the person, not make that thing the thing that keeps me from them. You know what I'm saying? There's a parade going on downtown today, and I would suggest that we could do some things to reach some people on a day called Happy Pride. Right? We could reach some people that are hurting. I was downtown last night coming back from the airport. I was walking around, seeing preparations for Happy Pride Day, thinking there's some broken people here. And i got to work really hard as a disciple of Jesus to not just call them Canaanite dogs and dismiss them. <sighs> it would be easier to just dismiss it. This is, this is the real grappling of discipleship. Like it really happens when I wander around downtown with a suitcase behind me just saying, well, I don't want to do about this. I have no idea what to do about this. Except for just love people. Engage in a conversation with a person covered with rainbows about soccer. They're coming back from the Sounders match. Just start there. Does that make sense? 
We can love people without affirming everything that they do. That's a shift for me. I'm still grappling with that. I've been grappling with that for a long time. I'm not done grappling yet. Amen? That's a little extra. I might have to skip some stuff. I thought what was interesting in these two passages of Scripture, the ones that we just read about Jesus sending people not to Gentiles but to the Jews, and then this dismissal, this utter dismissal of this Canaanite woman by the disciples. Remember who Jesus picked? They were the lowest of the lows within the kingdom, within the Jewish family. Peter and James and John, the tax collectors and the common people and the unschooled ordinary, they were the ones that were looked down on. And in that moment, they choose to took, instead of, feeling what they were feeling as being people who were looked down on and saying, I'm not going to do that to somebody else. They just passed it down the line. They just paid it forward. You look down at me, I'm looking down at you. Isn't it interesting, our propensity as people to do that? We have to fight against that urge when we're looked down upon to not pass it forward to the next generation of people, but to say, I can treat you differently than that. Because being rescued... By Jesus. This is important. Being rescued by Jesus will cultivate one of two things in us. It will either cause us to forget where we came from, or it will cause us to remember forever where we came from. Isn't it amazing sometimes we're rescued and we forget where we came from? When we forget, then we go back and judge. When we never forget, it keeps us grounded, centered in our common brokenness that says, I was in that pit. I bet I could help that person out of that pit because somebody helped me out of that pit. Somebody introduced me to the grace of Jesus. So how well is our memory serving us as of late when we interact in the community? When Jesus challenges us to get close to people who knew they were sick. And again, Jesus challenges the local church, especially those who endeavor like us to follow after this traveling physician out the door and into the neighborhood to remember where we came from. Remember where we came from. Jesus challenges those he qualifies as disciples. He challenges them always. Challenges are always met with equipping and empowering. He was challenging his disciples in every single moment. So Matthew 28, there's these other sendings that we've just read about in Matthew 10. In Matthew 15, Matthew 28, there's a new kind of sending going on, which is going to challenge the disciples to their core. Because the same God is all of a sudden different. What makes this conversation in Matthew 28 different than the one in 10 and 15? It's the first time Jesus sent people as a resurrected Savior. Before that, he had yet to die for the sins of the world. He'd yet to defeat death on the cross and rise again. So the old rules apply. But as soon as he got up out of that grave on the morning after the Sabbath, as soon as he was up out of that grave, everything was different. There was a new kind of sending going on. The grace of Jesus was available to every single person ever born. That's the difference between these two conversations, is the death and resurrection of the Savior who offered salvation. Matthew 28 opens with this draw-dropping proclamation which gives us cause to gather here this morning. What was said at the beginning of Matthew 28 is why we're actually here today. 
It says that Mary and the other Mary, there was two, well, was three or four Marys, but it says in the scripture, Mary and other Mary, it actually says it, uh, went back up to the tomb at the conclusion of the Sabbath. That's what it says. To summarize the first part of Matthew 28, Matthew reports that there was a violent earthquake, there was an arrival of a bright, shiny angel, and the presentation of an empty tomb. That's what it says happened. And then this bright, shiny angel and no uncertain words said, hey, good morning, ladies. Uh, hey, look, you know, uh, I know you're looking for Jesus and all in those spices that you brought here today. That's a that's a nice gesture. But um, I apologize. Yeah, I have to tell you, Jesus isn't here today. I imagine that might be how the conversation went down. Hey, ladies, good to see you. Yeah, he ain't here. He's risen from the dead And I love this part, just like he said he would. Same God that leads us from death to life always fulfills his promises. He will do it again. Christian is walking through one of these divine ambushes where he signed up for something at World Concern to travel halfway around the world next month, and somebody said they were going with him, and now they're not going with him. But Jesus is still going with him, so it's all going to be okay. But there's a dying process to our own understanding. That rattles us when we agree to go around the world with somebody, because maybe because they're going too, and then they're like, oh, you guys, I'm not going. <laughs> right? Divine ambushes. This is what I'm talking about. As Chris Tien steps out as a disciple, a follower of Jesus, more than just a believer, a believer who believes enough in what he believes to do what he says he believes. To go to refugee camps. To be with people with no hope. And it was suggested in prayer this morning that maybe he needed his schedule rattled a little bit because all those refugees, guess what? Their schedule's been rattled a minute. A little bit. And maybe Chris, I'm like, ooh, that was good. Somebody said that. I'm like, that's a good word. Maybe we get disrupted so that we're able to, uh, to connect with the disrupted. Amen? Maybe that's why it happens. He has risen just like he said he would. Fast forward to Matthew 28, verse 17. Sixteen, actually, I'll just read it because it's there. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee. This is after the disciples found out that Jesus wasn't in the tomb anymore either and everyone's having a party. The eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Interesting what is Stated next, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. When the disciples saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Jesus said he would rise, and he did. The disciples saw him, worshipped, and doubted. You ever thought that walking and chewing gum at the same time was kind of fancy? You ever think that was kind of a fancy thing, right? How about like patting your head and... And rubbing your tummy at the same time. That's kind of a fancy thing, right? Doing two things at once. Like, those are fancy things. But don't be too impressed when I tell you what I can do all three things at one time. I tell you what, that I can see Jesus, I can worship him, and doubt all at once. That's better than chewing gum or rubbing your head and patting your belly. That's three things at once, bro. Seeing Jesus, worshiping Jesus, and doubting at the same time. Does anyone else ever feel like they do that? We're talented people, aren't we? I'm so glad that Jesus confessed that they did this, or Matthew recorded about himself, actually, that this is what they did. Because I'm like, oh, I'm like the disciples. 
Jesus must be able to work with me too. Because I can do that same very thing. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. I carry it around in my back pocket. Therefore, because I do that, go, go, get. You've stayed your hour. Get out. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always. To the very end of the age, Christian, when you get on a plane and fly across the world to a refugee camp by yourself, remember that Jesus is with you. Even if everyone else fails you in that experience, he will not fail you. Anything that God has called us to do will be different than we thought it was going to be. But he hasn't failed us, nor will he. So when we look at this, go and make disciples. I mean, that's just one of those verses that's just kind of dialed in. right? Go and make disciples. I think Matthew had the focus on there. Was it the going or the disciple making? What's the imperative? What's the most important verb? Or sorry, verb. Yeah, verb. What's the most important verb? Is it go or make? I think we get caught up in the going sometimes. I've confessed to you that I'd be a wonderful follower of Jesus if I'd ever get behind him. So I like to go. Go, 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 go. Go, 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 go. Go all the time. To the point where I actually double booked myself in two states and couldn't be at the thing on Friday night because I forgot I was also going to be in California at the same time. That was a problem because I was going too much to even realize that I was supposed to be in two states at one time eight days later. I hadn't realized it yet. It's a problem for goers like me, so we have to slow down so that we can be qualified to make disciples. The imperative in this statement isn't the go. The going is assumed. The going is assumed because that's all that Jesus ever did was people was go places. Back and forth and back and forth. Jesus went places. So the going was assumed. We're going to be going. As you go, as you go, make disciples. Right? Jesus asked these people questions. Well, what do you think? Again, we talked about that a little bit. He sought confessions. Who do you say that I am? I've come to learn in the going that it's the going which serves as the vehicle on which discipleship happens. Mission is the vehicle on which discipleship is driven. We become disciples when we go. It's important to gather here, but it's in the going where we really learn because it's where Jesus is going to ask us hard questions and make us make tough confessions like, yeah, I do actually believe that you're Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Confessions like that. Or, hey, are you with him? Sometimes Peter got it right and sometimes he didn't. Or throw out your nets in front of all your friends. <laughs> I just did that. It didn't work. Do it again. Right? He makes us do tough things to trust him in faith. We have some disciples in our midst. I want us to have a, a, a couple stories told. I'm going to invite Holly to come up here. I'm going to invite Hal to come up here. Uh, and then we're going to invite David by picture. And I'm going to tell his story because we couldn't get his video loaded. He's working at Home Depot this morning, or David Alvarado would be here. Can we welcome Holly and Hal? Come up here. 
these are there's disciples all over this room. We could do this for an hour, but I just wanted to highlight a couple things of people in our community that are kind of doing this stuff. Not kind of doing it, really actually doing this stuff in incredible ways. And they're just going to share for a minute about what it is that they're doing and how they see disciples of Jesus being formed out of that. So Holly, this is Holly Hoffman. Everyone know Holly? Holly's amazing. Uh, student at University of Washington Bothell. Uh, super student because you're going in the summer to get it done, right? Good job. So tomorrow's like Monday school day, July 1st. All right. But Holly's incredible. Sorry, that wasn't nice. <laughs> Holly's tenacious. She's got a vision and a dream to do something in this community, and she's been working really hard on it. She can tell you a little bit about it. I wrote it down because I can't remember all this, so I'm going to try to say it as quick as I can. Um, When I was six, I was involved in a serious car accident with my family. We were T-boned on the side of uh, going up our dirt road at 60 miles an hour. I was airlifted to Harborview and in a coma for seven days. Um, recovery included learning to walk again and speech therapy. I recovered well physically, but as I neared my teenage years, I began to have severe anxiety. This began a tough mental health journey. The stigma of mental health held me back for years due to embarrassment and frustration. God's grace has been so present in my life, and his love and provision have followed me every step of the way. I've had the opportunity to work with a specialized neuro trainer and therapist, and have reached goals I never dreamed I would, one of which has been pursuing my degree at community in community psychology at the University of Washington. Recently, I was given a vision to share the resources that have aided me through my mental health journey with those on Casino Road who may be walking their own mental health journey. God showed me that from the beginning of my journey until now, he has purposely placed specific individuals in my life that he placed knowing there would be a time he would have me share them. He showed me how each of them, even ones I hadn't specifically recognized, had a part in my story of mental health and wellness. He showed me that they each have been like an extended family that he created just for this purpose. He also showed me the multicultural diversity represented in this extended family-like network that wasn't an accident. Through research, I learned that a key factor in resilience with mental health is familial support. God showed me that each of these people were this were this support network for me. He gave me a vision of Casino Road individuals connecting with others in their community whom are walking similar journeys as I share these resources in my story. After sharing this vision with one of my friends because I thought I was crazy, it has taken on wings that I couldn't have imagined. In the process of working with the University of Washington Bothell, Paige E. Roberts Performance Neuro Training and Connect Casino Road Director to share spiritual, mental, physical, and emotional resources through the lens of the natural life seasons of winter, spring, summer, and fall during the Experiential Resilience Resourcing Retreat. This full-day retreat will take place on September 28th. 2019 here at the Casino Road Community Hub. Any and all who have walked through and are walking through any form of mental health and wellness journey are invited to register and join this all-day event. We hope to provide breakfast, lunch, and dinner, as well as dessert with artists playing original music, four progressive group therapy sessions, a variety of whole health breakout sessions, and opportunities to learn and connect with Jesus if desired. The night will conclude with personalized symbolic art added to a family tree, 
dessert, celebration, and reflection. The beautiful diversity of the Casino Road community will be represented with diverse translators and mental health resources. The desire is for the individuals to connect and provide feedback as to which resources they would like to continue to have here on Casino Road in order to use this research and feedback to petition for a grant to provide them with these resources free of charge. There has already been a donation made to provide free group therapy sessions for eight or so weeks following the retreat. Thank you. Lord, we thank you for Holly. Thank you that this is a, a believer in Jesus who is wholeheartedly becoming more and more a disciple of Jesus, one who follows after to be grace and hope and peace in the city. Lord, give her wisdom and discernment and, Lord, support. May she feel the support of her entire family here as she endeavors out uh, into this space to follow you. Uh, Lord, uh, fill her with your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Holly. This is Hal. You guys know Hal. Um, I'm, can I, can, I'm going to share something that, that has meant something to me, that it was lost on me when he did it because I was still getting to know everybody's name and find my stapler when we got here. But shortly after arriving at South Everett, Hal came up to me right in the back. We were standing there, and he held, up his, held, held open his hands with, with tears in his eyes a little bit, and he said, what would you, what would you have me to do? And that was lost on me because because Hal is a patriarch in this congregation. Um, he has been here since the beginning. He has wisdom. He has business insight and experience. And if if you could just say about a stereotype about someone who would maybe be like Hal, could say, you know what, Sonny, this is my ship. This is my show. And you just you just watch your p's and q's, right? It was it dawned on me in May that Hal could have done that. Because a lot of people in Hal's situation would might do that. But Hal said, what would you have me to do? I'm like, well, we better talk to Jesus about that. So we talked to Jesus. And, and Hal all year has been following after Jesus in a really crazy, unexpected, maybe unqualified way, right? And he's going to tell us a little bit about that. Come on a trip with me just for a moment. Because I want to talk about age just a little bit. I'm going out this door, and I'm coming back. You have all seen me stand here. I want you to see what comes back in the door and tell me what's different. Did you notice anything that's different now? If it was Tuesday night, I would be getting younger as I walk right here. There would be a table here with about six young people around it doing homework. And over here would be another 20 kids running around playing some kind of game. So when I walk out the door on Tuesday night, I'm at least 20 years younger. (laughs) At least. There's so much energy in this room and love like you've never seen. It's very seldom that you see me come up and, or you come up and give a hug to an individual anymore because 
it's not it's not appropriate in our society. But you come in here on Tuesday night, and you'll see these kids running around and giving each other hugs and words of encouragement and help. They love each other immensely. The one thing that I'll tell you just one story. I come in every night, and from here and here, my name is mentioned. Hal, you're here. Come over here. I need I need to talk to you. And I wonder what what's going on. But they do need help, and they look at people like. Rich, Paul, Ted, and myself, because we have experienced life that they haven't. They've experienced real rough lives, and they know that we've experienced enough that we can help them in some area of their life, which is really great. I come in one night, and I sit down at the table, and a young lady come over, oh, probably five months later, and and she reached out and put her arms around me, and she hugged me. And she said, I love you, and I trust you. That was probably the biggest blessing of all the year, the whole year that I've been here working with the kids, because they really do truly love you, and they do trust you. They want your help, and we give it to them as we can. Lord, we thank you for Hal. We thank you that he is open and willing to follow you in every season of his life, every new season that you give him. Uh, Lord, thank you that he has been looking for his place afresh in a new place that he's been for a very long time and has found a way to be new. Um, Lord, would you continue to work through him in building trust and relationships with the young people in our community? Lord, may he learn from them. Lord, may they glean and learn from him. And may true relationship and family uh, continue to be established in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Hal. Discipleship. If David Alvaretto, we got a picture of David. You know David. If David wasn't working at Home Depot this morning, David's a hard worker. He'd be here to tell you that he is laser light focused on the skate park at Walter Hall Park. So much so that I asked him if he could make a little video. I said, David, can you make me a little two to three minute video? He goes, yeah, I'll do that. And, and he goes, in the last night late, he goes, it won't send. I'm like, well, how long is the video? He's like, 11 minutes. And, <laughs> and I'm like, oh. He goes, well, there was, I went down to the park and interviewed the kids too. And I'm like, oh my gosh. He video interviewed kids at the park. Talking to him, I think about Jesus or life. I don't know yet. I said, David, hold on to that video. Do not delete it. We will use that. But yesterday afternoon, after being sick for days, is down there engaging with kids in the park. He's 18 himself, right? This is a congregation that follows hard after Jesus. Like I said, we could be here the rest of the afternoon, and that's what I love about the thing that God is doing with us. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Interesting that this passage of Scripture is couched in between two baptisms. John's baptism and the Spirit's baptism. Just like days earlier, salvation would not be available 
to the Gentiles, but because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, it was. Just like in the days and weeks and months that would follow this, the Spirit of God who was next to us would be in us. So today, on the other side of both of those massive transitions, new moves by the same God, we have salvation that's available to everyone in the Spirit of God alive in us to deliver it. That's discipleship. Knowing and remembering those two things. It's for everybody. The power of God is in us to do it. So as we follow this traveling physician, the one who we will go out the door with in pursuit of those who used to be in the pit that we were in, who's he calling us to? Who are the people that are calling out to us? It's like shooting fish in a barrel with the power of the Holy Spirit making disciples. Is it just it? When we ask, He will. So sometimes I ask, and one guy came up to me just recently. He said, "Pastor, I'd like to be more involved in the life of the church, but I got to tell you, I'm a felon." He said, "And I don't want to tarnish the reputation of good people through questionable associations with me." Jesus and his associates, sinners and tax collectors, women at the well, Nicodemus, the rich young ruler, the priests, the teachers, Zacchaeus in the tree and the twelve. I looked right back at this guy and I said, my friend, hanging out with you earns me the exact reputation that Jesus had. And that's the exact reputation that I want. So let's get after it. Let's go do some stuff together. Let's be in relationship Jesus will always be with us. Always. But it will be all the more evident to a world that's doubting the relevancy of the church today. His presence with us will be all the more visible when we hang out with the people that Jesus associated with. When the neighborhood sees the church, multiple churches, congregations, believers, maybe some non-believers, loving kids in the park in a week... It's going to be something. Amen? Amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you that you are making disciples who are leaving this room and making more disciples. We ask that you would be with us, go before us, do more in us and through us than we could do in our own strength. Lord, we want to be sent. We recognize that you have all power and authority. Lord, give us everything we need. Lord, baptize us in your spirit again today to go make disciples. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you, church. We'll see you soon. Remember, prayer night tomorrow night. If you need an address for the Hubers, come and talk to Marley and Clark and they'll get it for you. And we'll see you soon. You've been listening to a podcast from South Everett Foursquare Church. For more information about us, please visit us online at www.southeverett.org.